You're listening to a Sin podcast. You can listen to this show live by tuning your radio to 90.7 or online at sin.org.au. We at Represent would like to acknowledge and pay our respects to the traditional owners of the land on which Sin operates, the Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. Sin Media respectfully acknowledges the ancestors and elders past, present and emerging. We would also like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and the ancestors of the lands and waters across Australia where our content reaches. Sovereignty has never been ceded. It always was and always will be Aboriginal land. Kids should go to school. That's what we're committed to. You're listening to Represent. Welcome to Represent. We have an exciting guest today. Freddie, would you like to introduce him? This man needs absolutely no introduction, obviously. If you've been listening to the show, you've heard his name a few times, or if you've just been paying attention to the news, of course you've heard his name. We have the Liberal Leader of Victoria, John Pesuto, in the studio. Hey, everyone. It's great to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Welcome oh, to Represent. Oh, my pleasure. <laughs> so, we've still got to talk about the Radiothon. The Radiothon. We may have the... an exciting interview. We may be chomping at the bit to get to it, but we've got to talk about it's it. It's the <laughs> final week of Sins Radiothon. So, babe, if you haven't woken up and donated, <laughs> paid for your Sins yet, Get onto it, syn.org.au slash donate. We're well on our way to our goal. This is the final week, final sprint at the very end. So if you haven't donated yet, it's time. Bridie donated just before. Just before the show. I, yep, hadn't done it yet. Bridie's paid for her sins. But I've paid now. (laughs) I paid for my sins a couple weeks ago. Lachlan paid for his sins last week. How about you, Naya? Naya needs to remember to have her card in the studio, but I'll do it when I get home. (laughs) And so, Freddie... Ask me what prizes can be won. Bridie, what prizes can be won if I pay for my sins? If you pay for your sins, you can win clothing from homie streetwear, vouchers for some tattoos. You could get John Pesuto's face tattooed on you. God. <laughs> John, how would you feel about that? Uh, that would be a new one, but I can get used to that. Yeah. Seeing tattoos, that's, that's a real sign of commitment, Freddie. And I, <laughs> I think you owe it to your listeners. To go the full length here and just show them how committed you are to the future of sin. Exactly. I think that's such a great point. (laughs) You can get tickets to the movies, a voucher for some records, issues of a literary journal if you're feeling, you know, feeling literate. If you're feeling literate. Um, If you can, in fact, read. Yeah. (laughs) And lots more things, all sorts of things. syn.org.au forward slash donate. All donations over $2 are tax deductible as well. We always love mentioning that one and of course your donation as well as winning all potentially winning all these fantastic prizes goes to young people in the media it goes to training them in radio and giving them all these fantastic opportunities like Bridie, Naya and I have every Tuesday where we get to interview 
John Pesuto and other fantastic political change makers. So get around it. Including SYN. each other. Exactly. <laughs> SYN. SYN.org.au slash donate. Final week. Get around it. We better reach our goal by the end of this week. Or this could be our last ever interview. <laughs> <laughs> not to fear monger on anyone. Not. Alrighty. But, hey, let's get started. Well, let's exactly. Go. Because, John... You've already sort of paid for your sins a little bit because the Liberal National Coalition pledged to double sins funding base last year during the state election. Uh, but of course, that didn't exactly go the way of the Liberals, unfortunately. So no. what's your position on community broadcasting and things like sin this year? Well, look, I think, I mean, we're in opposition for the next three and a half years, Freddie, but um, I can say to everybody that if we had that appetite last time, I'm sure we would be able to revisit that in a similar vein come 2026. But we can also be useful advocates uh, in the meantime. And look, I think, you know, to take the politics out of it, I think everybody realises that, you know, initiatives like SIN and, and other opportunities for people to develop skills in the media is really important, and we need it. I mean, we've got, you know, a, a democracy that needs constant work and commitment and the media is part of that now for people like myself we don't always like what's reported <laughs> particularly when you're an opposition leader you don't always like what's reported but that's not a complaint uh, the reality is we need a strong and robust media and having young people like yourselves getting the opportunities like this to hone your skills and, and be good broadcasters or journalists or columnists or whatever it's going to be. Media is very diverse, as you know, lots of different roles. So we need people to be coming through. So long answer to your question, Freddie, I mean, I think uh, we would be very keen to sort of revisit that in the same way. So what I'm hearing is you're going to donate to syn.org.au slash donate. I can, look, I'm quite happy to donate a kidney, but I think that might be a bit troubling. Uh, we will be we will be more than open to a discussion about doing... I'm just... I'm avoiding fixed no, commitments, course. but um, <laughs> you can see from what I'm saying that uh, yeah, we had that commitment last time, so I'm sure we'd be able to revisit it. That's fantastic. Absolutely. So moving on to some recent events. Sure. It's been a big week, as we were just saying off air. Massive week. Um, we've had a rise in interest rates today. Um... Obviously, the Liberal Party is not in power, but if you were, what would you do to help Victorians in this time of crisis and what should Labor be doing? Yeah, so, look, there's a lot of parts to this question, Bridie. Very I think true. the first thing is, in looking at the budget, and it's hard to answer this question, I apologise, listeners, without getting into some of the weeds here, but infrastructure projects are really good, we need them, but you also need to understand, or we also need to understand that, you know, infrastructure projects come with commitments that come with an opportunity cost. So if you're going to build a big major project, take a suburban rail loop, which is massive in terms of infrastructure costs, uh, it could be as high as $200 billion. Even if you love the project, you have to accept that that means that's $200 billion, a lot of money that's not available for schools, hospitals, uh, assisting local governments to develop new lots for housing that will give young families a chance to buy uh, a home or a property that they might want to live in at some point. So the first thing I'd say about getting the budget under control, because the key to cost of living and easing that for people, is trying to make sure that at least government can manage its books well enough so it's not putting extra costs on. So um, getting that under control is really important. Uh, the second thing is, you know, I'm someone who comes to politics uh, with a real commitment and understanding that you need integrity and you need a commitment to the principles that deliver good government. So scrutiny, transparency, actually important. And I've you know, had, had a great opportunity in my career to work in different parts of government. And when you don't have scrutiny, when you don't have what we call contestability, where you've got different parts of government checks and balances coming into play, you get bad decisions that cost. And that 
have to get paid for. So what I'm really saying in a, in a kind of a very lengthy way is that if we can rein in some of those things, then that gives government a better opportunity to address some of the shortfalls, whether it's in hospital waiting lists, ambulance response times. You know, access to education is a big problem. There's equity issues all across the state of Victoria. I think there are a lot of, uh, a lot of uh, access issues for people living in the regions and even the growth corridors. Uh, my parents lived in Cranbourne up until recently. They've moved in closer to town to, into retirement. But, you know, when, when I was going out there, I was conscious that the, they had no access to public transport other than a bus. So buses are good, but it's not like I have where I live in Campbell. So getting a lot of those things under control, which then frees up capability and capacity to offer relief from cost of living pressures. And that's, you know, it all sort of fits within this ecosystem. Cool. We love the cosy live, don't we? <laughs> <laughs> One person who I hope will not be struggling with the cosy live is Ryan Smith, because he quit Parliament this week without even warning you, apparently. What do you think this says about the confidence in you from your party? Look, I think people, when they leave, Freddie, can determine the manner of their departure. And I, I, I would say that Ryan's perfectly entitled to handle that the way he wants. Uh, I respect that. And I, you know, he's been a member for, of Parliament since 2006. Uh, he's held the seat in good times and bad. You know, uh, he's got an opportunity now to start the next chapter of his life. And, you know, politics isn't the predictable thing that people think it is. Uh, you know, luck, events circumstances change all the time so for people in politics things pop up and change people's minds and I'm sure that when he stood for election he was intending to serve out the, the four year term as everyone but there'll be other people I'm sure in the next four years who say look I'm really not wanting to stick around I'd rather go and that just that happens and I think across the political spectrum there's an acceptance that people make decisions for a whole range of reasons and you kind of respect that so I don't have an issue with any of that at all I wish him really well yeah, I think that's quite a reasonable way to think, especially yeah. considering all the resignations that we've seen recently. Jacinda Ardern, Mark McGowan. There was one more we were talking about last week, but I've forgotten who it was. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, you get the gist. Right, is an yeah. example. Oh, Mark McGowan, I think you might be talking in yeah. WA. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, my exam brain is um, preoccupied. Um, so we heard this morning from our, our resident reporter slash press conference goer, Lachlan, um, Lifeline launched a new call centre in Western Melbourne this morning, responding to a surge in demand from locals, um, which we'll hear more about in his package later. What do you think the Labor government should do to ease the burden on Lifeline? Yeah, look, I think... Uh, can I deal with mental health? I wasn't at that press conference, so I don't know yeah. exactly the specifics of that, but I think the question of mental health is, is one I'm really happy to talk about because, you know, in recent times, not just because of COVID, but COVID's shone a light on it as well, uh, but also I think community attitudes are changing to the point where thankfully and finally people are more willing and comfortable going and seeking help and raising issues around their mental health and understanding that we all have those challenges. Uh, we might not realise it, but we're all, we all face stresses of one sort or another. It might be pressures in job, might be pressures in relationships. It might be the pressures that come from a, a dependency uh, that you know leads people into uh, you know that place of addiction. So... Access to mental health services is a huge problem in Victoria, as it probably is in other states as well, but certainly is in Victoria. Uh, and the waiting list for people to access, whether it's a, a bed for more acute cases of mental health need, or even just those early stages where some prevention uh, and early clinical assistance can actually keep someone out of the health system because you can keep them um, uh, on a pathway to recovery. Uh, 
so those issues, I, I can tell you, uh, are constantly raised in the parliament. And you'll get MPs raising issues of access in their own communities uh, for mental health, whether it's just initial counselling, ongoing psychological and psychiatric access as well for more clinically difficult cases, and then in those really acute cases, access to bed. So whilst I, I wasn't a, um, at the Lifeline um, announcement today, I think it's a good thing that they're announcing an expansion in services, but it's an ongoing challenge. And I th you know, I think when community attitudes change in the sense that we're now more amenable as a community to talk about mental health, one of the challenges that comes with that in the early stages is you get a big spike uh, and that, that need has to be met. Okay, interesting. Yeah, so Naya has a series of questions now. This is where it gets <laughs> tough for you, John. Yeah. Get ready. <laughs> that, that, that just puts pressure on the question. That's all right. I'm here to answer any questions you like. Thank you. Um, the Australian Liberal Party's website promotes the values of, quote, freedom of thought, worship, speech and association, end quote. How does the expulsion of MP Moira Deeming align with this belief or do your values differ from the Federal Party? No, no, I, I believe in those values, Naya, and whilst I won't trouble all of you and all of our listeners with the, the granular details of what went on, what prompted the action in a general sense was more an issue about teamwork and, and working as a team and the discipline that you need as an opposition or a government to be able to function effectively. So, look, we've lost three elections in a row and I don't intend to lose any more. So in order to win, and I'm, I'm not alone in having uh, entertaining that sentiment, we all should want that for, for certainly my party. I'm sure people in other parties feel the same way about their own fortunes. To do that, you've got to operate as a team and... I'm comfortable with diversity of views, so long as it, it sits within the realm of what is, you know, in keeping with community attitudes. Now, I think there's a range of different views around some of the issues that more, and that, that's fine, there's a debate. In public policy, there should be respectful, courteous debate. What prompted that action actually was, was very much around uh, being prepared to be aware of how things you do affect the whole team. Uh, and I'm trying to be very general in these in these comments because matters ongoing, uh, as you may have read in the press. But nothing I've done, and I, I stand by everything I've done. But I also want to emphasise that nothing I've done is in any way inconsistent with that. I, I believe in freedom of speech, even to the point where, you know, you have to work with people who might not share the same views as you on a particular issue. For me, it's very much about. Uh, and I, this is a more general point beyond the question of the recent expulsion, is that as long as public discourse in the public square is an inviting place where people can feel free to enter it, so long as they come in with goodwill. And that's, that's not just... They're not just buzzwords, you know, come with goodwill. It means that you enter the public square and you participate in public discourse uh, in a way which respects the humanity of your interlocutors, who you're talking to and engaging with, even if you disagree, and that nothing you do, and again, this isn't related to the specifics of this, but nothing that you do dehumanises others, uh, but respects and upholds their basic humanity, even if you disagree with them. So I, I, I'm firmly of the view that, that I was living out those principles. Uh, and look, as a Liberal leader, in 2023, my firm view is that the Liberal Party needs and should be and will be under me 
an inclusive party and welcoming party that understands that people have all sorts of different circumstances that they bring to bear in their lives. There are some historical things, there are personal things, there are characteristics. We live in a very diverse community. And what I'm trying to establish through this process, which I can't control completely, I wish I could, what I'm trying to demonstrate through this process is that the liberal values I believe in, which is the fundamental uh, and benign influence of enterprise, whether it's in business, arts, culture, whatever it might be, uh, that that is, a, that is a driving force for human progress the enterprising spirit. Sometimes we do that individually, sometimes we do it collectively, sometimes we do it collaboratively in smaller groups. But it's a driving force of human progress. Enlightenment, knowledge, discovery. All the things that we want in health, education, science, technology. That is a, that is a universal view. That is a timeless view for me. So, it should appeal, if I'm doing my job, as much to you and our listeners as to anyone else. No matter who you are, who you love, how you identify. Because that value I'm talking about, the value, that's just one, right? There are others that I can talk about that define me and characterize me as a liberal. For example, rule of war. But let's just stick with enterprise because that's an easy one. Or an easy one. Uh, that should appeal. So when I, when I say to people, well, the Labor government under, under Mr Andrews, they hold 56 seats in the 88-seat Legislative Assembly. Now, to hold 56 seats, by definition, you have to hold seats in the city or inner suburbs, outer suburbs, regional areas, rural areas, growth areas, growth corridors. You're representing a lot of Victoria. But not only are you representing a lot of Victoria, you are representing a very diverse cross-section of Victoria. And I say to my party colleagues, both parliamentary and organisational, the members of the Liberal Party, I say to them, in order to succeed and to be a voice for everyone we want to be a voice, which is to be a voice for people whether they vote for us or not, we need to accept and we need to embrace, not just accept, the idea that our values can appeal to everyone no matter what their attributes or background, if you know what I'm saying. So all of this is about that. Yeah. In that, that vein, you've said uh, it's important to consider, quote, how we go about pursuing the issues we're passionate about, end quote. Um, what's the right way, or is there a right way, for an MP to express their views and remain in your party? Look, yeah, the, the issue about how you go about it is very much for me, what I was saying before, at the you know, to sort of go back to that is debate particularly from people in elected office must be as i said respectful and courteous and it can be robust in my view but it can't dehumanize in my view and it shouldn't either vilify or incite and i make this as a general point across politics not just in australia but globally a lot of discourse that we see does just that it either dehumanises, alienates, vilifies, um, disparages, denigrates in a way which often go... Well, some of those, by definition, transgress, but uh, some of those other ones where it might be disparaging or denigrating goes to the, goes to the lengths of verging on incitement or uh, violence itself. So if... Um, as somebody recently put 
you know, someone recently put, if I memory serves on, on Facebook, that they would, you know, they'd come at me or they'd get someone to come at me with a machete. Now, I'm not going to do anything about it because, you know, but is that... Now, I'm not alone. I'm not pretending I'm unique. MPs get that all the time. Right? I'm making the, more, more the point that that kind of behaviour is unacceptable. Now, I, I simply don't have the bandwidth to go chasing that. I'm not going to... You know, I've got more immediate things I need to focus on, which is the budget and and what we say about the budget and, and, and those important things. But my, my point in answer to your question, Naya, is that uh, we all have to take responsibility for making sure that what we say and do, so our words and our actions, don't yeah, incite and don't demean to that point uh, where... Um, we're not upholding the virtues of our democracy, which is to, which really should be about opportunity for all human, you know, understanding and respect to everybody's humanity. Changing lands slightly, um, how is your relationship with Peter Dutton? In April, he said he'd come to Melbourne to quote sort this out, uh, sort this mess out. Sorry, uh, can we expect him to visit soon, or have you secured his confidence? Well, I'd, I'd like to think that we both. Uh, I've certainly had nothing but very pleasant exchanges and discussions with Peter uh, and I would like to think that's mutual and look a lot of what's reported doesn't quite uh, hit the mark in terms of these things and I, I will be more than happy to, to campaign and work with Peter um, you know, we've got big jobs to do we've lost the federal election, we've lost the state election we don't hold any government on the mainland and I think we both understand that the task before us is momentous but I'm confident we can get there that, that, that's a, Absolutely. That's a nice note. Optimism. Optimistic. We love Absolutely. that. Just like we're optimistic at reaching our goal. That's why you donate. But with what you said, I guess, with uh, not holding like a government on the mainland at all, uh, there is sort of a lot of the Liberal... There's been a lot going on in the Liberal land uh, across the country, even in Tasmania where there is the government. Um, how do you find that uh, sort of the occurrences in other Liberal branches or the Federal Liberals, how does that sort of impact how people view the Victorian Liberals? Mm. Yeah, look, we, we don't uh, operate in a vacuum. So what happens uh, federally in particular does impact on us. And, and they would argue the same. The Federal Libs would argue that what happens at state can affect federal. I don't think it works as as neatly as that, but there, there are, if you like, reciprocal currents that, that flow in either direction. Uh, look, I think in in the past, uh, you know, we've suffered, I think, you know, electoral costs from some of the things that in the past have been done at a federal level. Uh, but but to be fair, if you lose an election, you have to look at yourself and what you could have done to win it uh, and, and earn the people's trust and confidence. So I guess what I'm saying, Fred, is that, yeah, look, we can't operate in unison on everything and there'll be, there'll be times when we have different views. Uh, and and that's sort of self-evident. But you've just got to, like anything really, you've just got to try and manage the relationship in a professional way, understanding that you're not going to land in the same place all, you know, all the time, but you've just got to try and manage it, at least talk a lot. I find in politics uh, that once that uh, that regularity of communication abates, that, that, that becomes a recipe for misunderstanding and disunity. 
overall. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, I mean, going right off what you just said, I feel like you're probably going to predict what I'm about to say. But, <laughs> no, um... no. I thought we were going to talk about, folks, come on, donate. <laughs> These guys are going to have to bus- busk on the street if you don't. Uh, you know, well, so... lucky we've got a musician <laughs> in our ranks. Um, no, I'm going to ask, are you By going to follow what the Federal Liberal Party is doing with The Voice? Are you going to say, we're voting no? What's your final position? Uh, so as a, as, a, yeah, as a parliamentary party, Bridie, we've taken the position that it's non-binding. People are free to reach their own conclusions. And look, yeah, there are, there are legitimate debates for and against, in my view, to be completely candid with our listeners. Yes, you can make compelling cases for it. You can make compelling cases against it. Uh, for my part, uh, I've said on a number of occasions now that, look, I'll, I'll make my position known, uh, but, but equally... We've got such a big job as a state opposition that I'm trying just to make sure that uh, what I'm saying publicly is dealing with things that at a state level are more immediate. So and I'm not saying uh, this is part of the answer rather than to shift the discussion is more that you know, I've, got to, I've really got to be talking about the budget measures such as the, you know, the jobs tax, schools tax and, and the rent tax and other things. So I'm trying to keep our focus on those issues. The, the voice is an important very important national discussion but it is that it is a national discussion and i'm very comfortable with my parliamentary colleagues and i having a non-binding position and that was you know that was the case in the republic debate uh under john howard back in 99 so we see our position has been consistent with that well, going back in time a little bit, maybe not quite so far, but you only just kind of returned to Parliament last year after losing your seat in 2018. What was it like contesting that very closely fought seat and how was it to be out of Parliament and then kind of have to adjust to going back in? Yeah, no, it's a really good question, Bridie, in this sense that... I hate saying that, actually, really good question, because you're, you're not going to ask anything <laughs> but a really good question. We've had an ego. But I, I, I guess yeah. I was saying I like the question because it gives me a chance to, to actually talk about something that, might be of interest at, at this stage of your lives, uh, not just for you, you three, but uh, for uh, people listening as well. You know, it took me five goes before I was elected in 2014. A politics was always what I wanted to do from my teenage years. And I had tried and failed many times. So, well, fours a lot, right? So it took me 20 years from the first time I ran to when I was finally successful in entering Parliament. So five goes, and that was 2014. And it had been everything. I, I, I had sublimated so many things in life to this goal and, and got there in the end in 2014. So when I lost in 2018, and the reason I give you that background is when I lost in 2018, some of you may recall on, um, on uh, live national TV, uh, look, it was very, look, as anyone will tell you, um, leaving politics involuntarily is, is not a enjoyable experience you you really feel it but because of the road I'd had to travel to get there as painful as it was and sure the next day I'm, I'm standing in my study thinking what what do I do now I mean you know, uh, I, I had learnt from hard experience that time does heal things all things and so I kind of knew in the back of my mind that I will fight another day but for now, I'll bleed a while and I'll heal and I'll reflect on what I could have done better. I'm going to learn. I'm going to rebuild brick by brick. I'm going to rebuild this, this um, aspiration. And that's, in fact, what I did. So after I lost in 2018 and 
you know, I had a bit of time to, to rest over the Christmas New Year period. You know, I started writing a column for the Age newspaper. I started eventually doing regular radio. Uh, started off on AW, 3AW, and then moved to ABC, where I got a, a weekly spot on what was called the party line with Virginia Trioli and Bronwyn Pike, a former Labor minister. I did that. I did um, various TV shows and, and the drum, I think I did once a week. Oh, no, sorry, once a week, once a month. Uh, and various other bits and pieces. I was I got a, a an honorary position at the School of Government at Melbourne University, which is my alma mater, and I did did a bit of writing and, and some uh, Q and A's there, which I, I I love doing. But it was a, I guess what I was saying that those which I look back on as the wilderness years, <laughs> you know, where you go through and you've been bumped way off course. It's kind of a bit of an odyssey, and you go through these highs and lows of oh, okay, can I make it back? Can't I? But I, as I said, I'd had to fight for everything previously. And I just kind of knew from experience, and I'm just saying this so you can. If ever, I hope all of you have success in whatever you do the first time you go, you get your chance to try it. But just don't despair if it doesn't happen, and just keep going. And as long as the fire is still there and the passion's still there, because for me, you know, having lost in 2018, I, I looked at 2022, and I just knew that as hard as the campaign was and as uncertain as it was, defeat's not going to kill me. I'm going to just try, and if I lose, I lose. I've been there before, but if I win, wow, that's a summit I'm prepared to take on the challenge of, of contesting. So that's the kind of mindset I brought to it that, you know, time heals and, and you learn from these things. I mean, I, I do think that processes like that are important for our own improvement and self-discovery, and, you know, I changed and grew out of that as much as I didn't want it to happen. I changed and grew out of that and my whole style of communication changed and I think matured in a way that has made me better. Wow, that's very like inspiring. I feel like I'm motivated to change like all my <laughs> life habits now. Heidi is having an existential <laughs> crisis now about what like she wants revelation. to do. But I, it is such a testament to your character that you sort of come back after four losses and you come back better than ever and now you're leader of the Liberal Party in Victoria, which I think is such a monumental achie achievement. And when you sort of came back and became the Liberal leader of Victoria, uh, you, talk, you talked about how the party is in the middle of a bit of a reform process. Uh, so what have, your, have been your key points of reform and how have you found that process? Because it, that can get messy. Yeah, and, and reform's never easy. And there, there's always going to be a contingent in any organisational uh, outfit that's going to be resistant to change. But look, um, there's a whole lot of moving cogs there, but uh, the main moving parts of these, I think... I think in terms of our, to your point, Naya, before, the, the, the broader positioning of the party, I want it to coalesce more around those enduring and universal values for me, which are, you know, the, the, the social good and individual good that comes from enterprise, rule of law, which, come, which is not just about equality before the law, but it's about security. Security of knowing that if an injustice is visited on you, whether from a private party or a government actor, you can access courts of justice in a way which is accessible. They're, they're, what I mean by that is these are the broad, enduring, universal values that the party stands for. I'm careful and determined to, to make sure that's forefront because then young, old no matter what your ethnic or racial background, sexual preference, identity, anything, all of those things shouldn't matter so much if we are able to make 
those values the forefront rather than strong, hard positions on particular issues. Now, sometimes people want you to, to lead the party and say, well, we should stand for that. And I say, well, is that the value we're defending? We believe in free speech, of course, we believe in freedom of religion. So why aren't we more comfortable with people having different perspectives around a core philosophical principle? So that's the first part of the reform. That we need, that I think we need to do, make sure the party's broad, appealing, and inclusive. But then, on the more operational matters, there's there's issues around how strong we are on the ground. Uh, I just don't think we have any kind of strength there in in parts of Melbourne and Victoria where we need to be stronger. So we've got to we've got to build the party up, and reforming that means attracting new members. To attract new members, we go back to that first point: do we appeal? And so to get people who are joining in Melbourne's western suburbs, northern suburbs, southeastern suburbs where we need to win seats and be stronger, uh, in rural and regional areas we want more members to join, we've got to make sure the party can appeal. So as a leader, that's what I'm trying to do. Sorry, these are long answers and I'm probably... That's fantastic. Going we yeah. love long answers. Yeah, Thank that's you. why we ask, <laughs> ask sort of long-winded questions sometimes. <laughs> we will... Um, have this be our last one, I think. Um, we don't want to take too much. No, that's right. It's been an absolute pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Um, Can you come on every week, though? Yeah, <laughs> Can we just book you in for the next <laughs> like right. two years, maybe? <laughs> well, hang on. Send my number on the air. Send us still, still on air. <laughs> come on, folks. Donate. Donate. He's got it. Donate. You guys are the two floggers of the show. John and I are going to are going to save this station. Oh, we will die trying, Freddie. So you said before you're basically not willing to give up any group or give up on any group of people as, you know, voters that can identify with liberal values. We've seen in the last few elections young voters have kind of moved away from mm. the liberals in swathes. How do you plan on kind of getting them back? Yeah, yeah, it's, again, a, a challenge that sort of sits on the top of the list. Uh, and I, I'm someone who believes that we can appeal more to young people and so I'll give you a few examples of things we've done uh, to do that I would hope that uh, the style of at, at a sort of broadest level I think the style of leadership I can certainly tell you the style of leadership I'm adopting is in part in large part driven about trying to appeal more to young people who I don't think like the style of politics I often see uh, and I think with all of my uh, public positioning and comments, it's all about trying to engage people, no matter what demographic they're in. So that's the first piece. More specifically on some policy issues we're looking at, uh, we have a real focus on home ownership and housing affordability. We don't want that dream. If young people want that dream, and I think many do, maybe not all, but many do, and if they do, we want to be able to support them. So we're going to be announcing a rollout of policy over the coming months and years on home ownership and housing affordability give people because that is whatever debates we might have about other asset classes your principal place of residence your home is one of the best ways you can attain financial security longer in life so that's a big piece there's another piece that or two pieces i'll just mention also uh, criminal justice reform now you might think why is john mentioning criminal justice reform Criminal justice reform is something I've been very passionate about, particularly in the four years, thinking a lot about how we would approach issues of justice and equity with a bit more detail uh, and looking more at the whole of life experience of people who enter the justice system. We don't want people to enter the justice system. So that then takes us back to questions of early childhood intervention, maternal health and ch you know, child services, uh, looking at education, 
making sure families, particularly disadvantaged families, can actually send their kids to a government because it's getting even expensive to send your kids to a government school. So what I'm really saying is there's a wide range of public policy challenges if you are committed to criminal justice reform. And as a Liberal, I say to my colleagues and, and to audiences I speak to, it's a great opportunity for us to do something in a space where we can all be passionate about because we all love stories of redemption and giving people a second chance. You know, <laughs> uh, I know all about that, um, fifth, not even. to make light of it, but yeah, I know about second chances, but the power of redemption is uplifting. It, it makes people feel good. And we, we need, in an age of pessimism, uh, we need champions of optimism. And I think criminal justice reform might seem like this little bit parked in the corner. It's actually not. It's about everything. Criminal justice reform is about equality of opportunity. It's about the promise of our, our country and our state. And if we can't deliver that for people, particularly uh, people who grew up in disadvantaged households, people who might, because of you know the lack of migration services, resettlement services, drift into the justice system, that's not the great country we are. So that's that's one of the pieces. The other thing I just want to finish off on is uh, just you know climate change and the transition to renewables. We support that. What I'm what I'm doing as leader is trying to shift the discussion now towards the how, right? Uh, and there's a big debate across a range of areas about how do we do this. So, uh, you know, one of the issues that's you know fairly prominently covered today is transmission. You know, building generation, renewables generation is one thing we need that, but we've also got a huge challenge in how we fund and where we locate transmission assets. Because remember, we're here in Melbourne, and we have access to great services, but people living in rural and uh, regional communities are going to have to host that transmission infrastructure. That's not to say we shouldn't do it, but we have to have public consultation, public buy-in, because there needs to be social licence around this. So on, I guess what I wanted to say there was on climate change and the environment, we're committed to that, and I'm now shifting us into that space of, okay, let's get this done. And there's, there's real debates and discussions to be had around how we fund that and how we achieve it, because it's big. It's huge what we have to do, just in transmission alone, let alone generation. Absolutely. Climate change, biggest issue of Definitely, our day. Yeah. Um, Definitely. Any final thoughts? And, and can I just say for yeah, all yeah. of our listeners, Perfect. I, it is an important issue, but you know, we've always, as a, as a society and as a community, we've, we've risen to the challenge. And I know there'll be people listening who, might, who will be worried about climate change. And look, we're going to get there. I'm an optimist. We will get there because uh, we're... Ca and I'm saying this not as, a po not as a particular politician of a party. I think I just want to reflect on us as a community and as a society. We will rise to the challenge. We've always done that, and we will rise to this challenge. Well, so inspiring. <laughs> you have to be a motivational speaker as well. <laughs> yeah. I feel like you are fantastic at <laughs> yeah, it. Literally. Oh, it's been a pleasure, guys. I'd love to come here again soon. Please it's, do. Uh, you're please very do. welcome anytime. Well, thank you so much for taking the time. We've there had a great time. Um, you are listening to Represent. Let's listen to some music and then we will be back <laughs> before too long. Uh, you're on scene. Welcome back to Represent. 
Welcome we, back. How good was that interview? That was, if you if you weren't listening and just tuned in, we just interviewed John Pesuto. You'll be able to listen to it on any podcast platform, any of the good podcast platforms. But only <laughs> if you donate to sin.org.au. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's the paywall, isn't yeah. it? <laughs> well, that would be a fantastic last interview to have for our show and off with a yeah. bang. It'd also be nice to do more interviews and get John back a few more times. Exactly. Um, so or make sure you're donating. that wants to come Exactly. Unless you're like a normal person. We don't Unless you're a normal person. Person. Unless Just you're one kidding. of those non-politicians. Yeah, exactly. SYN.org.au slash donate. But um, have a listen to that interview if you didn't get to catch it before. Um, or listen to it again, because it was very good. Uh, thank you again, John. Massive thank you for coming in. But um, it's been a massive week of news, guys, hasn't it? It has been it's, really busy. It's been We've crazy. Rising interest rates. Oh, how 4. sick am I of hearing 1%. about the RBA? Mm. Oh, and I thought God. it had stopped just briefly. We didn't hear a little yeah. bit. Just, just it was it was peaceful moment. Yeah. for once. It was zen. It was relaxing. I was like, this was my hating economics dream. Yeah. And then they're back again. Exactly. I get um the like ABC news notifications yep. on my phone. Yep. Same. And yep. every morning I'll wake up and I'll see. I'll, I'll know it's like that time of the month again when the RBA. <laughs> when I say RBA is set to announce rise in interest rates, and I'm like. Again? <laughs> this isn't yeah, news right? at this like, point. Come on. 4.1. 4.1. Especially last week, uh, the hex debt indexation finally mm. happened. I don't know if you guys had a look at yours. I did not. I don't want to know. I is it chose on? not to. Is it on my gov? I didn't it's know on my to. gov if you link your ATO account. <laughs> I'm going to do it um, right now. Yep, Let's likewise. see what my, um, I think you guys what my next is. Okay. Are we, are we going to expose the figures like on air? Yeah. Is that what? Okay. If I can find it. I How do I log in? <laughs> um, it's like my.gov.au or something. Yeah. The problem is there's my.gov um, and my.gov ID and my mm, computer yeah. automatically goes to the latter. Do I go to the ATO? You need to like, so you log into your my.gov account yeah. and then you, is your ATO linked to your yeah. my.gov? Yeah, just open the ATO okay. and nice. it'll be under your like loans okay. uh, section and it'll it's be loading. there. Okay, we're doing live. I missed all of that. The ATO. So go to the accounts ATO. Accounts and balances. Open that. Yep. Yes, oh, yeah, accounts and balances. Oh, three. Okay, wait. $3,626 for one semester of uni. Wait, what? That's so much. Oh, my goodness. That's, I don't understand. Me. My music so, subjects are more expensive. Know, is it go to view accounts and balances. And that's your oh my goodness, it's so high! But also, that's lower than I expected at uh, 7,569. Oh, guys, 23 grand. <laughs> <laughs> Mine went up $550 wow. from that. I woke up that morning and I saw it on the news. It was like, Hextets have gone up. I'm like, oh, mine can't have been that bad. I'm like, what's Goddamn. the point? What's the point in checking it? In checking it, just well, it's it is a very real debt that you have, and it affects like um, your ability to get actual loans and buy a house eventually okay. and stuff. So it's good to be on top of it, and it's good to make sure we, that that's, we can't yeah. pay it off for years yeah. and years to come. Can no, we? exactly. It's well, like you can make voluntary repayments. Oh, yeah. you, you can. Yeah, you can do it right on that page you if you want. You can pay it right now. You can pay, pay it all off if you want. Right now, Naya. Yeah. Or right. well, actually, actually, don't so pay funny. your debt off. You should donate to syn.org.au. Um, um, and then maybe, you know, a certain politician will pay your fees hope, miraculously hopefully. one day. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah. It's a very real debt that you have, so it's really good to just keep on top of it. It's very important to be aware of how much you actually owe. Yeah, exactly. Naya's sort of doing the... <laughs> 
I see you. I zoomed to her MyGov page right now. So that must be half of what they they tell me at the start of the year. You're going. Your course is going to cost this much. Here's your enrolment. So is that half of it? Because we've done a semester. Is that how it works, or does it just go up week by week? Um. So it goes up semester by semester. So at okay. least at RMIT, they charge uh, a few weeks into the new semester. You'll get an email with your invoice. Okay. Um, and and I don't just... have to do anything about that invoice. This you, is just life advice that I need. Yeah, looking at our mygovs now. You, you don't. You don't have to do anything as long okay. as you've elected to uh, uh, defer it to your hex debt, which you you have. Yeah. Okay. Um, it's fine. RMIT or your uni, if you go to a different uni like Bridie does, uh, will contact you if there's an issue with that. That's nice. Um, do you have any more questions about your hex debt? <laughs> Tweet us at SinRepresent and we'll Crazy answer them live expert. on air. <laughs> I've I've oh, been in the game for three a, what and a half years. Before we wrap it up, and then you will yeah answer any question. Yes, exactly. But um, yeah, keep on top of your hex tech, guys. We've, yeah. we've had a Life lot going lesson. on. Life lesson. Exactly. Um. So yeah, what else has been in the news this week, guys? Has anything been? Uh, we've got the private school tax thing that's happened. The, <laughs> the, the yes, gross so oversimplification. I'm going to say that in a sentence that uh, explains what <laughs> the actually happened. private happens. tax thing. <laughs> so private schools until now have been exempt from paying payroll tax, um, but in the, in the I was going to say in the government, no, in the budget, they've decided that high fee, quote unquote, private schools, mm -hmm. um, which is basically above seven and a half grand fees per year, which is so much money, mm -hmm. um, side note, <laughs> um, they are going to have to pay payroll tax. And they went nuts. They look, of course. I, I'm going to be honest with you, I don't have that much sympathy for like Xavier. I went Scotch. to a private school. I don't have any sympathy for them. I know how much I was paying that school. No sympathy. Yeah, like <laughs> obscene amounts of money. I yeah. don't care if you don't want to pay payroll tax. Why aren't you already paying payroll tax? What the yeah, hell? The, I mean, I went Do to we a know private why school, it... but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I, I feel like it's... I, I don't know why they wouldn't... I get that it's very different. Um, like, the, the funding is very confusing. Mm. But it feels like something everyone would pay. They they exist and therefore they pay it. Yeah, I, it really does. Especially because private schools like they're companies. They're, they're companies, and but they also do still get money from the government. Mm. In some cases, more money than public schools do. Yeah, which is insane. So it seems unfair that they're given sort of this this um shield, mm. I guess. So I it's like, so. guys, you got to contribute eventually. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> well, I mean. <laughs> No guarantees, right? Exactly, you exactly. But I believe we have something to play. We did ask John Pesuto before about the Lifeline uh, presser that happened today. It was very exciting. They've launched a new call centre in Western Melbourne this morning. Very exciting because, of course, Lifeline is a very critical and essential service to the mental health of so many people. It saves countless lives and it's extremely important. Yes. To, um, to uh, consider that, uh, and it's good that they're opening a brand new call centre in Western Melbourne. And John Pesuto did talk a bit about uh, mental health services in the state. Now, interview just before you can listen. You can listen to that. Um, <laughs> you can listen to that later on. Yeah. Lachlan's yeah. trying to talk to us through a soundproof window. <laughs> <laughs> um, 
we're so flawed Let's, by our um, interview with John Pesuto that we're kind <laughs> of a bit starstruck now. Um, okay. But well, you can listen to it on the Represent podcast on uh, Spotify, Apple, wherever you get your podcasts. Um, and you can listen to our John Pesuto interview there, and you can listen to Lachlan's uh, package, his bit about the presser this morning about the bit. new Western Melbourne call centre. <laughs> your, your bit the, is going to be um, flogging the radiothon for I, the rest of the year. Yes. It's, guys, it's not running anymore, but babe, wake up. We've still got to donate. Well, you can donate to does Sin any time yeah, of the year. Does the donate link change? I don't know. I don't know. It, it, you can donate to Sin any time of the year. So, Radiothon, of course, get around it now. But also, if you've got well, a bit, if you can't now, but you can later, get on This is just the publicity portion, and now mm. go and donate. Yeah, yeah exactly. exactly. We're like Triple R. They <laughs> wish they were us. They wish we were Triple <laughs> Well, that's interesting because a bit of Sin history is it started out at Triple R, mm. and then it was granted that full time broadcast license and split off from Triple R. So exciting. So, I think Triple R's been struggling without sort of Sin inside it for, <laughs> since then. Fair enough, too. You know, we're but, invaluable. Yeah. Anyway, let's wrap it up. Let's shall wrap we? it up. We've got the coming up next so get excited for their show but listen yeah. to the podcast got, yeah. yeah tell us what you thought of the show on our socials sin represent on twitter and on instagram you're going to see some posting from me i'm going to be flogging that interview like nobody a... else um yeah. and what else do i have to say i don't know join us uh, next week yeah join us next week listen to this episode again um on omni or on spotify or on apple podcasts I have an exam tomorrow and I'm really stressed. Everyone I've forgotten sure everything else I need to say. Comment on all of the feed posts that Bridie's about to post with good luck for your exams, Bridie. Let's all get around Bridie's exams. <laughs> yes, oh, thanks. Yes. No, Maybe I don't have those as journalists. No, no. Ever? Seven we weeks holiday. Yeah. Happy days. We're chilling. Oh, yeah. But best of luck, Bridie. We're, we're sure you're going to smash yes. it. Yes, and all we right. want to hear all about it next week. Oh, yeah. Don't you worry. We'll, we'll let you get <laughs> back to studying. I'll come with stories. <laughs> That's um, going to be the interview next week. Naya and I interview Bridie about... Wait, we should do that, actually. That would be so <laughs> much fun. All right, and remember to... Stay, stay political. political. You're listening to Sin. You've been listening to a Sin Media Podcast, where young people run the show.